hello, and welcome to another episode of Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we're dishing with all of your favorite Food Network stars. As always, I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and my guest this week, I am super excited about. He is a friend of mine. He is a familiar face to any Food Network fan, and he's made appearances on shows like Beat Bobby Flay, Guy's Grocery Games, Best Thing I Ever Ate, the list goes on and on. Um, he's also a successful restaurateur, a seven-time Burger Bash People's Choice winner seven times. And also, by the way, if you haven't had your coffee yet today, no need. This guy's energy and personality is just as effective as caffeine. (laughs) Here's my chat with the burger boss himself, Mr. Josh Capon. And we're live. We are live. Uh, well, we're recorded, right? Uh, Josh, welcome. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Why, thank you for having me. Congratulations on the podcast, Jamie. Oh, thank you. It's been a long journey. Um, in fact, you and I first met on the set of Beat Bobby Flay uh, back in December 2016, which, side note, I feel like it, I've known you longer than four years at this point. But, um, but no, that was my first time ever being on Food Network and being a guest co-host. Um, and I remember Chris King, their showrunner, had said, uh, oh, your co-host is Josh Capon. You'll love him. And of course I did. Um, and we've been friends ever since. But uh, thank you for making me feel so welcome all the way back in 2016. Always, oh, Jamie, Jamie, you have you have good energy and you have good positivity and, and you have an enthusiasm for life that, that shines. And it's always a pleasure to have you around wherever you are, whether in my restaurants or out on the street. Well, I could say the same thing about you, um, and I and I do want to talk to you about so many things. We I have so many things on the list that I want to talk to you about. You know, restaurants, 2020, burgers, your family. But uh, the podcast is called Food Network Obsessed, so we're going to start there. Um, and fans of Food Network would would definitely know you from your appearances on Beat Bobby Flay, Chopped, Best Thing I Ever Ate, Cooks versus Cons. The list goes on and on. Uh, you obviously have you know a big personality that I think is made for television. Uh, and I'm curious about how that evolution came about for you. Was that something you were interested in, like in addition to your work in restaurants or did TV kind of find you? I think TV kind of found me a little bit. Um, sometimes I wish it found me a little bit more. <laughs> I love to cook, but I think what I love most about cooking is, is connecting with people. So whether it's a podcast or whether it's TV, you know, I, I, I think I have a gift and I can feel pretty confident when I say that, that, you know, people don't just come to my restaurant to eat. You know, they want to come and they see me, you know, like you, I, I bring a certain energy and, and enthusiasm to my staff, to the kitchen, to the dining room, to the outdoor patio these days. But I do. I just enjoy I enjoy people and I enjoy food. I think those are my two favorite things in life. We all celebrate food, good times and bad times. I'm curious if there was something when, you know, the first time you did TV or started doing TV, maybe specifically at Food Network, was there something that surprised you just about that whole television world? And something surprised me. I, I think how comfortable I was from, from the beginning. I mean, obviously you get more comfortable as you go. I remember I, I was a young line cook working at a restaurant and it, this is way, this was a long time ago before, you know, Food Network was even Food Network, but a TV crew came in to shoot the chef. And to me, he was the coolest cat around, you know, he was my chef and he was super cool. TV crew came in, they set up in the kitchen, but the minute they hit the record button, it was almost like somebody took a garden hose and put it over his head because he just started dripping and sweating profusely to the point where they're like, all right, cut. 
They're like, are you all right? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. They're like, you are sweating. Like, it was just dripping off his face. So, obviously, he wasn't that comfortable in front of the camera. And I think most chefs aren't. And you got to remember, a chef is a back-of-the-house position, which means most chefs don't want to come into the dining room. You know, I think I think Emerald and, and Bobby were front of the, some of the first to break that mold. But even when we opened up Canteen and Lord Fish Bar and I was running around the dining room, my partners kind of looked at me like, shouldn't you be in the kitchen? But, you know, the chef has become a very polarizing figure and people want to meet the chef. And when I go to a table in my white jacket and, and I'm schmoozing them, it's like they feel like a bunch of celebrities. And then David Burke, who was one of my mentors, always taught me if you go to one table and you enlighten their experience, you better make sure you touch every table around them. Because at the same time, you're going to diminish their experience because they're going to be like, how come the chef didn't come to our table? So I literally just table hop to people I know and more importantly, I don't know to make them feel welcome. And I say it all the time. There's a million restaurants in New York City. You have to give them a reason to come back to yours. And the food better be great and the service better be great. But other than that, why are they coming back? And when a couple comes in with, that I know with another couple and I bring over a couple of deviled eggs or caviar or a couple of crispy rice and spicy tuna. And I'm like, hey, guys, a little gift. You know, thanks for coming. They're wowed. And next thing, that couple makes a reservation with another couple to come back in, and they want to make sure I'm going to be there. Will you bring over the eggs? <laughs> and anything to do, anything to, to make people feel special these days is what it's all about. Absolutely. And I think you can do that through TV as well. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, we, we first met on Beat Bobby Flay. You've been a co-host slash judge on that show over, I think, over 10 times. Um, do you have a favorite episode or memory that sticks out? And no, you don't have to say the episode that you co-hosted with me just because I'm I'm doing the interview on this podcast. But if, is there anything that sticks out about, um, I mean, that show or maybe even any other show? Listen, I think I think I think Bobby's great because, you know, Bobby's success has been him not being afraid to throw it on the line time and time again. You know, whether it was throw down or whether it was beat Bobby Flay, he is giving young chefs an opportunity to, to beat his ass. You know, come and get it. Give me everything you got. What's your best dish? You know, and it's funny how so, so many of them get in their own way. But Bobby's great in that aspect. But I, th- I think there was an episode where Simon and I, you know, Simon's one of his best friends. And I think we literally just picked him up and, and pulled him off the set or something or <laughs> uh, string cheese out of whatever. We, 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 you know, anything to... to uh, you know, distract him is what we would do. So we had some, we have some fun at his expense. He just laughs along. He does. He's, he's a very good sport. I think on our episode, you, you busted out some like cheerleading, like pom poms or something like that. Yeah, you know, this is making you on that show with the pom poms. I was a full blown cheerleader. I'm like, wow, I really, you are, you are, you are. I, I appreciate it though, that you, you know, you took that role and didn't like just shove it off on, on the girl that was on set. So I, I, I did appreciate that. Um, I don't know if this happens to you, but every time one of my episodes airs, I, I get like a million questions, whether it's over text or DM, uh, just about how the show works and what's real and what's, what's not, uh, what question would you say you get most often? You know, what's nice about, Bobby's show and one of the reasons why I enjoy doing it is because he keeps it very real. It is a, it is a real competition. The timing is to, to a T. And most importantly, what I love that he does, and you'll know for being there, is you taste the food when it's cooked. There are a lot of judge, there are a lot of cooking shows that when you judge the food, the food has been sitting out on a table for 45 minutes. Somebody take eight, you know a thousand pictures of it and then you're like, oh, I taste it. You know, Bobby makes sure that you taste that food the same way you would in the kitchen. Right when it comes off the, you know, the, the, the past, so to speak, you know, uh, the Food Network has has a way of really keeping things real, which you have to respect. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's something that, I, that really struck me as well. Like, Bob, that was very important to Bobby. That was like one thing that he wanted to make sure was different with his show at the time. Um, but it's funny because like we 
they do so the chefs have to make like extra dishes essentially to make this all happen and then they shuttle you know the the judges slash co-hosts into like this little like room to to eat and then you do like the real eating on, on camera but it's usually like there's just little, like little side room that you're just kind of like you know cramped in there like trying but but you try it when it's hot right and i think that that's that's super important is there anything i mean i love that backstage scoop because like i think this podcast is really you know, a place where we can kind of pull back the curtain a little bit on that, that kind of thing. Um, is there anything else like that you notice besides that, that, that you can share with our listeners? It's funny because even when you watch the show, sometimes you're, 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 you're shocked at who gets picked in the first round because while somebody else's dish might look better and they like might look better, there's other reasons why you might pick somebody else to really, who has a better chance to be Bobby, you know, somebody, you know, I see it a lot in shows that I watch with Bobby where I'm like, I can't believe they picked that guy. But then when you really think about it, I think we, you know, we might, we might've been in that position where there's other, it's not just the plate that you're eating. It, it, it's how they cooked. It's their timing. It's, you know, do they really have a chance of being Bobby in the second round? So sometimes there's other factors involved that the, the, the viewer doesn't see. And there are times and it might've happened with you. There are times where we pick somebody beforehand and next thing we're tasting that food. I'm kind of like, did we pick the right person? You know, I always have, you know, I always question whether or not we pick the right person because we really want to do pick the person that has the best chance of meeting Bobby. Yeah. No matter what, <laughs> it's always fun. It's always entertaining. The food is always kind of cool to watch, be prepared. You know, Food Network, no matter what show it is, they do a very good job of vetting the chefs that are coming on. I mean, they're, they're not just bringing on anybody for the sake of, you know, enjoyment. They're making sure these people know how to cook uh, in a responsible way, in a respectable way, in a timely way. And more often than not, maybe they make a mistake here or there, but they know how to cook and you're going to get a decent plate of food every time. What advice would you give a contestant, you know, on any food competition show, not necessarily just beat Bobby Flay, but if they're on one of these shows or competing, what, what, what sort of advice would you give to them? I, I think stay true to who you are. You know, I think sometimes people try and reach a little bit and go out of their comfort zone too much, uh, but stay true who you are. Stay cool under pressure, you know, uh, you know, practice, you know, I, my chef at Barry Me Company, you know, I know people that go on shop that before they do, they're, they're in their kitchen with people giving them baskets and they're, they're running the drills. I mean, if you have a chance to go on shop to win $10,000 or a chance to go beat on Bobby Flay, you better make sure you're in your own kitchen somewhere a couple of times, timing yourself. Like, cause I'll tell you one thing, the clock moves fast. When you get 20 <laughs> minutes to 30 minutes, you ain't stopping that clock. So it's not like you're in the middle of service where you're like, I need two more minutes, Jeff, two more minutes. No. You know, the clock, you know, hands up, you know, time, time stops, hands up. You better make sure you got everything on that plate because the last thing you want to do is lose because you missed an ingredient or stuff like that. So just stay cool. And, and I think also, no matter what, and I know it's tough to say, but have fun with it. Win or lose, have fun with it. You got a chance to shine in front of a national audience. You have a chance to do what you do best. I think just have fun and make it a memorable experience for everybody. I think that's great advice. And if you're listening, you, you should definitely take Josh's advice because he is the actual Burger King. Um, you've won Burger Bash at the New York City Wine and Food Festival, also South Beach. Like so many times, they, they make you a judge at some point because you won so much. I just won my seventh title virtually in the crazy world that we live in. They had a virtual Burger Bash in October and I won virtual, which is kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, I won seven. I've judged a judge a few times. Um, I just think it's, you know, to me, it's an incredible event. It's an incredible party. I think it's the, the premier event of the, of the Food and Wine Festival, both of them. Um, and I just think it's a lot of fun. And why? Because burgers are fun. You know, they're every day, you know, and you can just always go and have a good time. And burgers are approachable. Nobody takes it too seriously. Rachel's a great host. 
you know, Cream, who produces the event, does an incredible job. It's just, you know, it, 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 to me, it's, it's an annual thing, just like the Super Bowl. It's the Super Bowl burgers, and I think it's an annual event, just like the Super Bowl. Yeah, it, it is an event and, it, and it's a fun event. Like you said, it's it's the most sought after ticket, I would say, for both of those festivals, um, because I mean, what's not to love? You get to try as many burgers as you possibly can and and drink and have fun. And I think your personality really lends itself well to that event because it's you know, it's the same thing you talked about with the restaurants like you are out there kind of entertaining people and putting on a show. And I think that's super fun. Um, so I think at this point we can call you a burger expert. Um, so as an expert, what do you think is the secret to a perfect burger? Um, you know, I, th- I think one of the secrets to my success at the Burger Bash is, is, is I put out a damn good burger every year. <laughs> but I also think, you know, it comes down to execution. It comes down to timing. You know, I've seen people that have a thousand burgers just sitting there waiting for people to grab them. That's not the way to do it. You know, you want people to get a hot burger off the line. You know, when they bite into it, you want to make them feel like, wow, that thing is hot, juicy and delicious. And I think another uh, a big factor here is something you have not mentioned, which is bacon jam. Can we talk about bacon jam and why it's like the perfect condiment? <laughs> I always say growing up as a kid, my favorite burger was a bacon onion cheeseburger. But I used to hate the two pieces of bacon that used to form an X growing over the, growing over the top of the burger. Because you bit into that burger and one, and one piece of bacon came out, then the other piece of bacon came out. So I am a huge fan of sandwiches. And I always say every bite should be the same. So whatever condiment you're using... You better make sure you evenly spread it all over the bread. When you spread it over a sandwich and every bite's the same, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's incredible. So that's been my success. I remember there was one year in South Beach where somehow I shipped everything down or somehow my bacon jam got lost. I might want to chalk it up to foul play. Yeah, and did you investigate? Who won that year? Did they have the bacon jams sitting in the back? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just saying, if you want to take out the champ, you know, you, you take out his knees and somebody somebody, <laughs> somebody took 20 quarts of bacon on your jam and put it somewhere because I put it in the fridge. So anyway, but I still play second. I still play second without my bacon jam. So it makes you kind of think maybe I would have had an eighth title, but... Listen, I, I always say, and I know I can say this, I've won seven times. It's not about winning. It's, it's going, putting on a great show because that's what the people who go there for. And that's an expensive ticket. It's a $250 ticket. People are not just going to eat burgers. They're going to see a show. And you better put on a good show and not get upset and work the crowd. And it's not about giving away stuff. It's just about being yourself and, and giving a great product and showing what you're about. Well, speaking of putting on a great show, um, you've been doing several of them, you know, just from your home on Instagram uh, throughout um, quarantine and, and beyond. Um, I loved watching, you know, you you cook with your family, your kids, Max and Amanda. Um, you know, we're all stuck at home. And, and, and kind of to your point about all of this, it's like you need to have something to, to smile about and, and entertain, you know, entertain you while you're stuck at home. Um, so for anybody unfamiliar out there that's listening, I mean, I guess let's start there with why don't you tell us about cooking with the capons? It's funny because we're on a podcast, but you just you just made me very emotional. Um, you know, this is a crazy time, and I think for us in the in, in the in the restaurant industry and in the hospitality industry, we've been hit really hard. Um, and I think the most important thing is to always find the silver lining and the glasses half full. And, and for me, that's been just spending a lot more time at home. And my daughter, who's fourteen, who's amazing, Amanda. My son, Max, 11, and my wife, Lori, like, you know, the life of a chef. I remember my dad told me years ago, if you're going to be a chef, that's great. But, you know, you're not going to be home for dinner every night. And you know what? I'm not home for dinner every night. And it's starting to bother me. I'm 47 years old and finally set in. Like, you know, I want to be home for dinner every night. 
And I think the pandemic for me gave me an excuse to just be home more often. And I started just cooking with my daughter and having some fun with it. And we started doing, you know, posting it and created something called Cooking with the Capons. And it's incredible to see how she has, what she's learned. I mean, to make risotto with a 13-year-old daughter and explain, like, you know, what it means to make risotto. And I told her, you can't stop stirring this pot for 25 minutes. And at first she wanted to give up, but then halfway through, she's like, I'm not giving up. It's been a magical gift during a very tough time to, to have the quality time at home, to have gotten the feedback. I mean, honestly, Jamie, I get, you know, social media is, is, a, is a wonderful thing. It's a tricky thing. It's something we're all navigating as we go. When you do an incredible job with it, with Justin, and you can see the chemistry that you guys share and why you guys are partners. Um, but, but the feedback, to hear people, friends and strangers text me and DM me and say to me, you know, cooking with the capons got me through quarantine. So to my neighbors saying, you know, they, his son, their son won't go to bed until they get to see cooking with the capons every night. That's what he goes to bed watching like, instead of reading a book or hopefully reading a book. But so many people I know, strangers included, like cooking with the capons got me through quarantine. It was the best thing during, during quarantine. I mean, to hear things like that, it really makes you like I told Amanda about halfway through it. I said, we have a responsibility now. Like, this is not just you and I having fun anymore. You know, I have people who literally told me they were on there. One of my best friends was on his deathbed. He goes, Cape, I, I was on my deathbed. He goes, I really did not think I was going to pull through COVID. And, you know, like watching you and your daughter made me laugh and like pulled me through and reminded me what's important. And, and it was, it's incredible feedback to hear. And it, it, it's something that I'll never forget during this time that, that we were able to, to create. And who knows where we go with it? You know, some people saying, you know, you should do a cookbook. Obviously, people are saying you should make it a TV show. I don't know if there's anybody out there in Food Network land listening right now, but hey, we're coming for you. And honestly, like the best thing about Amanda is in the, in the middle of us cooking, she'll break out into a TikTok dance. So, and, you know, I post a TikTok dance. I get more views and likes on our TikTok dances than I do on my cooking. So I'm like, what, 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 do, you, what do the people want to see? Do they want to see us dancing or do they want to see us cooking? I don't know anymore. It just, it just keeps me real and we make mistakes. We're not perfect. You know, Bobby, you know, Bobby Flay just posted something that was one of the nicest thing anybody's ever said about me and also made me cry. Jamie, this was supposed to be a fun and lifting interview. <laughs> I'm a mess over I here. Know. Well, you're making me cry too. Um, no, no, Bobby, I, I have that question next on my list. I mean, Bobby Flay, like you wake up to this, this post from Bobby, who's a friend of both of ours, but he put you in the same company as, D nice and the boss family, AKA Twitch and Allison Holker. So, I mean, what was it like to wake up to that? That's amazing. First of all, my wife, Lori literally woke me up and said, it was pretty early for me. And she goes, you have to wake up. You have to see what Bobby just said about you. And I was like, what? I didn't know where she was coming from. And I read the post and I was like, Oh my God. Wow. Because Bobby is, is a dear friend. He's also a mentor. He's also a beast. He was the first American chef to go on Iron Chef and let it all hang out, you know, and, and tons of respect for him. So I was fine. I read the post and then it was the last line that said uh, to a great father, to a great husband and then to a great son. And obviously my dad passed away when he said, son, I lost my shit. <laughs> During this whole time, he's been DMing me and texting me. You know, there was one time where Amanda, you know, uh, uh, turned over a bun cake and the thing came out perfectly and he questioned it. I said, Bobby, do me a favor. Don't ever question anything on cooking with the capons again because we keep this shit real. And if that thing came out <laughs> broken in half, we would have shown it. I go, I got nothing. I'm not. She's 14, dude. I got nothing to hide. I think the more real you keep it, the more respect people have for you. 
Speaking of keeping it real, I mean, you kind of touched on this briefly. Um, the the TikTok dances. I think Dancing with the Capons is definitely like the sleeper sequel hit of Cooking with the Capons. Um, do you feel like you've become a better dancer by participating in these challenges with Amanda? You know, just this past Sunday, she looked at me. I was watching football on the couch and she's like, let's go. Let's do a TikTok. And I was like, oh, boy, here we go. But she gets it. And she's a great teacher. And it's a bu- there are a bunch of small moves all put together to make a good dance. But it takes a little while. We practice a little bit. It's not the first run that you see. But we know it. And I have a great time doing it. And the feedback is tremendous. It's just fun. Listen, when I'm, when I'm down, I turn on one of my TikToks with her. And I just watch it. And it just makes me smile. Uh, I mean, I'm smiling, like listening to you talk about it because it is so clear, like how, how much your family means to you and how grateful you are for all this time with them, um, during this weird time. Um, I know you, I know you mentioned your dad and I know it's been a tough year and I can definitely relate to that. Um, I mean, what was, what was your like household, like growing up, were you guys cooking? Were you, were you dancing? Were, were you doing something else you know, that was more, you know, in, in line with those times? Um, we were, we were definitely always having a good time. Um, a lot of time in the kitchen, a lot of cooking. My dad and my mom were both great cooks. Uh, they got divorced at a young age, but wherever I was, they were, whatever house I was at, they were always cooking, always putting out a good meal. Um, I grew up, uh, having to be home on Friday night for Shabbos dinner. And I always remember fighting that as a kid. I remember fighting that as a kid, like Friday night, why do I have to be home? And now I look back on that time and I'm incredibly grateful for that because I wasn't missing anything. You know, you always think you're missing something. I wasn't missing anything. You know, if you're Jewish, what is Shabbos? Shabbos is Friday night till Saturday night. Shut it down. End of the work week, shut it down. Supposedly no electronics, no TV, no phone, no driving. So what does that mean? Stay your ass at home with your family, with the ones that you love most and reconnect. And, you know, regardless of whether you're Jewish or not, that's a really nice way to end the week as far as I'm concerned. And being home now and doing just that, it feels kind of nice. So before you go run around all weekend, save Friday night for your family and go out Saturday night after sunset. That's really what it means. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the family that I grew up with. I have two incredible sisters that, you know, with, with our dad passing, we, we've been there for each other and, and I've laughed the whole way. You know, we've cried a lot too, but, you know, my dad always said, make sure you celebrate. You can mourn, but you better celebrate my life. And I'm just glad that he didn't go. It wasn't COVID related. So I'm thankful for that because I think I would have been really angry at that. But, you know, aside from that, it's, it's, it's been a celebration. I think uh, I think that's very well said and very important. You know, I think we're, we're talking about, obviously, the pandemic and, and, and how it's affected, you know, our lives personally. But obviously, you know, it's affected you professionally as well. Restaurants have been, I mean, hit so hard, not just in New York, not just in the United States. I mean, around the globe, um, you have four restaurants in New York City, Bowery Meat Company, Lure, Fish Bar, uh, Bistro Leo, Burger and Barrel. Did I get them all? <laughs> so I'm I'm curious, just, you know, your, your kind of your evolution um, to where we see you today. Like what sparked you initially in your interest in, in the culinary world? Because this is obviously not, a, you know, a profession for the faint of heart. Yeah. Um, for me, food was a way to travel the world. I was working in a bakery. I was working as a busboy. I was working as a dishwasher. I went to University of Maryland. I was there for a couple of years. I was not performing at an acceptable level. And my parents were smart enough to take me on a tour of Johnson Wales University at a young age and something just clicked. I said, yep, this is it. This is my future. I couldn't imagine doing anything else because I absolutely love it. I love the people I work with. I love the people that come into the restaurant. And those are, those are my families as well. But there's no question. I don't know. I don't know an industry that has been hit harder by COVID than ours. Billions and billions and billions of jobs are, are on the line here. And we got decimated. We got absolutely crushed. 
And it is it is terrifying. I mean, it is really terrifying. It is it is challenging. It's it's concerning. You know, I don't I don't know when this thing comes back. And, you know, I'm running with very minimal staffs at all of our restaurants right now. You got to be scrappy. And it is tough. And it is tough. And now with no indoor dining and only outdoor dining and it's freezing cold out and we built these structures and now you have to have heaters. It, everybody is just finding their own their own way. And it's just it's a moment in time where there's just so much uncertainty. It's sad, though, because it's no secret that restaurants operate at very minimal profit margins anyway. Restaurants are not very, very profitable. So, you know, people need to understand that, that everybody's fighting the fight. I mean, I'm, I'm running deliveries in my town or I got people hitting me up on Instagram. Will you deliver to Long Island? You know, I'm doing the Lower Fish Bar Express. You know, I'll take 10 deliveries to any city near you, you know, just to create some business and then get some extra tips for my staff. You know, anything we can do. So, but it, 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 it's challenging. It is terrifying. Um, it's also really rewarding. You know, I, I shouldn't leave that out. It, it, it's really rewarding when when you do create something new and how appreciative people are, um, the people that come and also the people that are working and are thankful for their jobs. You know, like this whole pandemic has taught me cooking is a gift. My, my And what separates me from the pack is the way I interact with people, the way I communicate with people through food. It's a gift. And, and that's one thing like and again, I'm going to get pretty heavy, but. You know, I had some moments with my dad before he left, and that was one thing I thanked him for, was was my gift of gab. Um, he was always Charlie Charming, and just through food, it's been it's been very rewarding, and it's been it's been financially rewarding to be able to to come across. You know, we're on an, we're on a podcast right now, but I'm still looking at you, and you're looking at me. To, to connect with people virtually is something that not everybody can do. And it works. Ah, I'm crying again. <laughs> um, I mean, as you look back on this last year, what are, what makes you the most proud of, about how you've been able to kind of pivot and, and really handle, you know, what has been an impossible situation? You know, there, there was four or five, six months ago, if I heard that word pivot one more time, it's the word of COVID. If, I, if somebody told me I have to pivot one more time, I'm like, I'm going to punch you in the face, pivot. <laughs> um, but for me, it's just been trying to stay alive. And, and, and my pivot, I've been doing some virtual stuff. I've been, I've been doing some exclusive catering where, you know, people, you know, want a chef, a celebrity chef coming into their house. And as long as you do it responsibly and professionally and put on a show, which is what I do for me, that that's been, that's been my pivot. Yeah, no, there's, there's definitely been some high, some high moments uh, in this past year, but I did want to, to end things with a question. We're going to, we're going to be asking all of our guests here on food network obsessed to, to close out each, each uh, episode. Um, so what would be on the menu for your perfect food day? So we're talking breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert. It can be something you cook, somebody else cooking for you. You can time travel. You can- How much time do I have? <laughs> you as much time as you want. This is this is your episode. Bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. Uh, blueberry pancakes with a side of sausage and maple syrup. Chicken parm hero. Linguini vongole. Some killer dim sum. A, a tomahawk steak. Uh, definitely some raw oysters on there. Shellfish plateau kind of thing. Definitely some donuts. Um, is this all breakfast or are these multiple meals? This is, listen, this is like when you ask this chef, when you ask this chef his last meal, I'll tell you my last meal is going to be about three days long because if I'm going down, I'm going down in flames, Jamie, and you're coming along with me, buddy. I'm just saying, I mean, uh, ribs, dim sum, pizza. Let's go get a pizza, some really, really good pizza. My, you know what my one wish in life is? To be able to eat with impunity. 
Jamie, if the, hey, if the Food Network called me tomorrow and said, hey, we have a TV show for you. We need you to be 500 pounds by Thursday. <laughs> Look at my wife and say, I'll see you Thursday at 10 a.m. I mean, I'd be like, this is my dream job. But at the same time, like, we need to be responsible. And I, I used to have a couple buddies growing up that they would just eat nonstop and they were sticks. And I used to hate them for that. I used to, I'm like, what would you not? Like, what's your metabolism? You know, I eat a donut and I feel like I'm going to die. <laughs> Listen, life's about enjoying it, especially now. So just go for it. All right. Well, go for it. Uh, we'll, we'll end on that note. Josh, thank you so much. It's a, it's a pleasure, as always, to to laugh and hear your stories. And in this case, uh, shed a couple of tears as well. We, Jamie, we- I, I adore you. And a huge congratulations to you in the podcast. And, 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 and keep on doing what you do and keep on smiling. You're a ray sunshine to all of us. And, and we'll get through this. And we'll be on the other side pretty soon. And until then, we'll see you at Lord Fishbore Barry Me Company. <laughs> like that plug? Like that plug at the end? Yes. Wow. I love Josh. Um, did not expect that interview to get so emotional, but I do feel like um, it was important and powerful. And I think a lot of people out there can relate to what he's going through and all going through uh, right now during this difficult time. Um, but you have to check out Josh and his daughter on Cooking with the Capons on his Instagram. It's at Chef Capon. If you don't follow him already, it it definitely will put a smile on your face. And if you like that, you can also take a class with him on the Food Network Kitchen app. He's got um, a variety of classes on there. And if you live in New York, Miami, and as we heard, soon Chicago, make sure to check out one of his restaurants. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to rate and review. And if you haven't already, subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. All right, that's it. See you foodies next week. Bye. 